Welcome to Leadership 2020. I'm Claire Carpenter. So I'm joined this morning by Nancy Scott. Nancy is the Managing Director with Why Apply, which is a talent management and capability building business. So thank you for thank you for joining me this morning. I'm really interested to talk to you Nancy about what it feels like as a as a leader to actually put yourself out there into the market for a new and exciting opportunity and to get some nuggets of advice from you from a recruitment point of view. So where would you like to start? Well, thanks for having me. Well, I'd like to kind of share my experiences. I've been in recruitment for nearly 20 years. So I've met all different types of people and hired people for different leadership roles in the public sector and the private sector. And what's quite compelling or what I found is that especially people from underrepresented communities, women, people from black and minority ethnic communities or you know people who had non-traditional career paths or didn't have a degree, some of the angst that they face as they go for the leadership role and very often are not they thinking why would somebody wants someone like me Mm. and the answer is why not Mm. and it's always kind of helping the candidates to think about what they're bringing to the organisation if you're going for a leadership role it's trying to understand the context where the organisation is at that moment in time and you need different types of leaders for different parts of the business cycle in an organisation. So if you're a, if you're going in to break up a company or make people redundant, you need a different kind of personality mm. than to someone who's going in to consolidate. So being through a period of change, I think we need to calm things down. Mm. So I think if you're going for a role, you need to really understand where the business is in its cycle, in its business plan. You know, what do they want to be, their values... My personal angst about these things is just like I think people try to be too vanilla in their applications to try to strip out their personalities and they forget that a business can have a personality as well, culture, mm-hmm. organisational culture, whatever you want to call it. So I think we need to try to match that and I think there's, you need to reflect on that a little bit more before you go for it. If we maybe start with that process... How would a potential business leader find out a bit more about that sort of culture, organisational culture, and see if there was going to be a personality fit there? I think it's hard, but I do think people, they know a lot more than they they think they know. So there's lots of women, if we take women, for example, who I've coached and they've been approached for a job and they're just like, I'm not sure if I want to do this, but I know I want to be a leader. And so, well, why don't you do some due diligence? And that's like a word that doesn't normally come across their radar because due diligence is something when you're making an acquisition or, you know, you're buying a company or something or a merger. And so, well, let's look at your network. Who do we know who's working or interacting? If you're going for a job, you're operating in that space already. You know, have informal conversations, you know, just build up your intelligence before you even think about it. I mean, applying for a new job is a job in itself. It's very time consuming. It's always very flattering if a headhunter approaches you, you think, oh someone's thought about me but more often than not your number you know you need to make sure that that headhunter or that recruiter is really knows their client Mm. knows what's going on in the business and you're not a transaction it's particularly prevalent for more middle managers because there's lots of different types of recruiters so really speak to the recruiter have you met the client do how long have you worked with the organization how are you being paid 
All those things make a difference in terms of how real the job is, how familiar they know what the job's about. Mm. And these things are really important. And then, yes, it is flattering to be approached. But then ask them, why are you approaching me? How many people are you talking to? What is it about my track record? Because then by asking that question, you'll find out whether they've just found your name in the LinkedIn, you've got a couple of words that fit, or they really want you because they think you're going to add value. Mm. And then you have to think about what's going on in my life, whether I want that change more often than not people are moving jobs obviously for financial gratification but there's other things going on in your life and you think am I going to want to be in this job for the next five years am I going to become a carer for my family I've got elderly parents or I'm going to have a baby or I'm getting divorced or whatever's going I want to go traveling I want to take a career break or there's lots of things going so I think before you go for a job you just need to think about what's happening or about to happen in the next five to ten years in your life and where Mm. you're going to be you know if you're with a partner is that partner a keeper you know (laughs) you know if he or she is going abroad am I going to go with them or not because that will dictate where you're going to live, where, what you want to earn, all those kind of things. There's lots of things. So just going for a job is not just a job. You need to think how it fits in with the wider life plan. And are you seeing any changes in the way that people are applying for work? There's lots of discussion in social media, for example, at the moment about follow your passion, do what you love. Are you seeing people make decisions differently in leadership roles around that? I do. I think people want to work in an organisation that fits in with how they want to do business. I think for younger leaders, I think they're more willing to take risks. I think they want to work for an organisation that fits in with their lifestyle. I think there is a level of isolation as well. So I'm going to digress slightly, but I think on a, where there's a lot of automation and recruitment, online recruitment, you know, algorithms are sifting people out. I think the the humanity of recruitment is being lost mm. and through that businesses are losing people's softer skills because that can't come across through an algorithm. So I think a lot of a lot of employers although it might be more efficient, I think there needs to be a step back around are we seeing the humanity side of leadership? Mm. Are we seeing the softer skills, the empathy, the ability to disseminate messages? I think sometimes that doesn't come across through an online recruitment process. I think people display leadership qualities in work and outside of work through voluntary, through sport, and all. and I think especially for younger leaders that is not being displayed through online recruitment and I think we're losing some good leadership because of that and I don't know how we're going to address that I think we need some talk to some software developers to see how we can pick up on that or Myers-Briggs or SHL in terms of how do we include that in the recruitment process. So we're talking about organisations possibly losing access to some of the really important leadership skills that in fact are high on their agenda when they want to bring a leader into the business. What advice might you give to somebody going through the recruitment process or about to have an interview to help them really demonstrate those skills, perhaps even if they're not necessarily given the right questions to answer, which sometimes happens? Taking your first point, I think you need to be true to yourself. If the organisation doesn't get the whole of you, it's not the right organisation and that's okay because there will be a place that will get you. Mm. I think there's loads of advice that people get for their CVs. I don't think there's a right CV 
There's not a perfect CV. There's lots of templates, but my advice would be just make sure your personality comes through. So if you love cooking, put in cooking. I've been told loads of times that people said, oh, don't put your hobbies in. Don't put the team that you support in. And I said, why not? Because these are things that make you you. Otherwise, you're all straight A graduates. You've all been to universities. You've all turned around a big organisation. What makes you different from everybody else? If you anonymise everything, there's got to be something that makes someone look at your CV and think, actually, this person's slightly different from somebody else. Mm. When you give evidence of competency, evidence, use life examples as well as work examples because again those life examples are the ones that make you you and gives you a sense of approach to a situation it makes you more measured especially when you're at the more mature end it's life skills that balances the hot-headed manager that say like we've got to fire someone because they're not turning up and work on time but somebody who's had more life skills will say, hold on a second, let's find out what's going on in that individual's life that's making them underperform in that way. Mm. I don't think, again, it's just bringing back the humanity into management rather than the textbook, you know, we've got a procedure to follow because somebody's not performing well, you know, you're monitoring them because they're turning up at half past nine every day or leaving at four o'clock, they're missing a deadline, they're not responding to an email at 10 o'clock at night. I think we just have to take a step back and just see what's going on in that person's life. And it's not being intrusive, it all goes into that wider agenda that everyone's talking about mental well-being empathy all those things that we all have to think about because mental health is a big issue it's prevalent everywhere big organizations are taking it very seriously people are more comfortable talking about it i do think middle managers feel like they can't talk about these things Mm. or don't want to talk to their staff about these things because they think that's not being a good manager So I think we have to kind of demystify what we think a good manager is and not take the view that we might see in the apprenticeship, how everyone's suited and booted and Mm. being hard and because that's not the way a real life really works. So I'm thinking about the recruitment process and I'm thinking about the experience that many individuals going for quite high level roles will have. It can be quite a long drawn out process, can't it? It is long drawn out and I think more often than not sometimes you're being interviewed by people who are not experienced interviewers and who probably don't know as much as you do and again that's about helping the other person on the other side on that journey and I think you just have to be comfortable in your own skin you know what you know I mean there was a woman who was a chair of a very big charity that I was at a dinner with a few months ago and she was a partner in a lawyer And she was going for a non-exec role and the person asked her, has she managed meetings? That was a ridiculous question. And she just said, that is a ridiculous question. Have you read my CV properly? She goes, I didn't even want to work for that organisation because if they're asking such pedestrian questions, (laughs) they're in a different place to where she's going to be. So the tone of the questions is an indicator of the type of organization that you're working for and if they don't understand or they've not had the courtesy to read your cv or Mm. see through your cv because you haven't put the criteria i have chaired 10 meetings a week or whatever Mm. that's just it's an indicator what kind of organization you're going for Mm. so i think the way they treat you during the interview process is very telling and they're all markers the way you interact with the support staff is a marker for the organization 
you know I've always asked my PA or my team had how was someone treated because everyone's going to be nice to me because I'm hiring if they're not nice to the person because we had to change the meeting two or three times it's quite telling you know what kind of leadership skills they have so you know they're all markers and how you behave with people with organization interacting with the organization so when you're going for a job you're being evaluated from the moment you're talking to that organization don't ever think you're off script because you're not Mm. so I think that's really important I think if you're going for the job you need to really invest in it make the time for it everyone's busy and especially in leadership you're managing loads of things going on but you have to be respectful of the recruitment process if you're going for it and it's of your first leadership role really think about why you want it because it will be a lifestyle change it is a step up you will be called on it's not going to be a nine-to-five job and you have to be ready for that because if the crisis comes it's your heads on the block no one's going to say nice things to you you're a leader and you come into your own when it's a crisis everybody else takes the glory when things are going well And that's all right. You've got to be confident to bask in reflected glory because you're a good leader because you've created a team because they're better than you. But when you come into your own, I think, when when it's going wrong, I think that's when people's real leadership qualities really show. Are those times then good examples to sort of have up your sleeve to use in an interview process? Yeah, I think so. I think you have to have examples when it's gone wrong, mm. what lessons you've learned. We've we probably learnt more when things have gone wrong, you know, or where we didn't behave the way we should have done. And I, again, it's a confident thing just to say, yep, I don't always get it right, but I've learnt this is how I don't do it again, or I might carry on doing it. I don't know. But I just think you need to know. You need to be able to take feedback from people who are really honest. You need to surround yourself with people who will tell you as it is because when you're a leader, everyone wants to be in your good books and everyone wants to tell you a good story. But you need to know what's going on and you need to have people who are going to say it. It might not be nice, but you need to have that around you. So there's lots of changes to the way that we connect, aren't there, using social media and those kind of things. And we're used to kind of quite instant responses and we're used to quick decisions and things like that, aren't we, based on our accessibility to data and information but still the recruitment process can be quite drawn out towards the end of that can't it what advice would you give to people about how to handle the end of the process I think you need to know what the process is Mm -hmm. keep in contact with the person that you've been liaising with it's a HR coordinator the recruiter whatever to find out what's going on be patient make them aware what your timeline is because you might be applying for two or three different jobs Mm -hmm. and be honest that if you're going through a recruiter they're your broker it's in the interest of the recruiter for them to place you because they're going to get paid so let's not pretend that's not going to happen but if you've got a good recruiter and you've got a good rapport it's quite an honest relationship if they're good and they they should be telling you what's going on they should know what's going on if they don't they should tell you we don't but everyone should know what timelines you're working to Mm. and if you know what's going on in the market then you may know why the delay is happening because sometimes maybe the chairman that you're talking to is going to be stepping down they're waiting for that chairman to step down you know the line managers resigned there's lots of things that's going on 
And, you know, it's one of the questions to ask at the end of the interview. You know, most people say, oh, I don't know what to say. You know, what is the timeline? Is there anything that I need to know that hasn't been brought up mm-hmm. that's going in the organisation that's not in the public domain? You can ask those questions. And also you can tell them that these are my timelines that I'm working towards. Mm. You know, I'm obviously looking for other jobs or if there's other things going on in my life. So mm. and just be honest. If you're going for a leadership role... It's not an interview, it's a discussion. They've got a problem in the business and they think someone like you can fix it. If the conversation's not going that way, it's not the right place. I'm really interested in your advice as well around at the end of an interview, it's quite common, isn't it, for the interviewer to say, what questions would you like to ask? Mm. What, what are the sort of do's and don'ts of asking questions yourself, do you think? I think one of the common themes a lot of women seem to do is end with a negative so they might the question might be what are your strengths or you know weaknesses or they might not even ask you what your weakness is but people end up giving a weakness Mm -hmm. but no one's asked you that question so why give it so don't answer a question that hasn't been asked (laughs) and sometimes pick up on the cues from the panel if they're liking you they're kind of willing you on so have a lot of eye contact and then you know if you don't know what to ask just say look have I have I missed anything is there anything that I didn't answer fully that you want me to go back to so that will obviously test their listening skills as well Mm. but I just think if you don't know what to ask just ask them have I covered everything have you got enough information to help you make a, a good decision I think that's it but don't don't answer a question they haven't asked Mm. and also don't give a negative and when a lot of male people have been on the panel have said to me why is it that a lot of women end in something that they can't do Mm. when they've always they've been the star candidate but that's the last thought why leave them with that last thought so leave them on a positive leave them on a positive or if you don't know leave an open question ask them is there anything that I haven't answered maybe drawing this into the next stage assuming that I've been successful with my application what are the really important things that you would advise me to do in preparation for starting that new role I would definitely ask as to why they were selected why you were appointed Mm -hmm. what if they had any misgivings what would they and then you start talking to if you're taking over from someone just go out for lunch go for coffee and just say look I know what was said in the interview tell me who you rate in the team who you don't and just start preparing talk to people who've made transition into that leadership role Mm. you know everyone says the first hundred days are really important lots of listening not kind of I've done this I've done that because most people go into a job because they wanting to do something that they haven't done already Mm. you're not replicating your old job you're going for a wider experience. So there's going to be lots of things in the job that you don't know how to do, and that's okay. That's why you want the job, because otherwise you would have stayed where you were. So really find out about what you're really going to be doing, what's the next six months, year, what does the chairman want, what's their issues, what's, you know, what's, the, what's the board talking about, the non-exec board are talking about, you know, what's their gripes. Obviously, talk to the people who are in post, you know, what's, what do they want changing or don't want to change? Mm. It's a lot of listening, I'd say. But, you know, also remember there are things that you're not going to know and that's the reason you took the job, so don't be scared. So, in summary, mm. if you were going to give your top, say, top three pieces of advice to somebody about to start thinking about moving jobs into their 
you know, first leadership role, what would that be? I would say start talking to a lot of people mm-hmm. and talking to people that's in your supply chain because these people are operating in the market that you're going to go into mm-hmm. because that will give you some market insight and that's the kind of insight you're going to be sharing in the interview because it shows you're current. It also will help you understand where you don't want to go. Mm. And then through that conversation, people say, oh, actually, I know this job's going and that's going. So you'll know where the vacancies are. Second thing is make sure that you write your own CV because nobody knows more about your career and your history than you. Mm. So don't get somebody professional to write it because they're using the same words for everybody. Mm. Stay true to yourself and highlight the achievements that you think are relevant for that job. And the third one would be is that it's a job in itself. Don't worry about rejection because there is a place that will want you. And don't get hung up on working for a big brand Mm. because a medium-sized firm, you can have a lot of fun. I think when you go to college or university, you know, your career's advice for and I'm slightly digressing but for younger people careers advice is very poor Mm. and it's easy and lazy to talk about the big brands that you want to work for Goldman Sachs Ernst & Young PricewaterhouseCoopers all those big brands but there's a a tier of medium-sized businesses that are very big but are not known so look out for those kind of businesses because those businesses uh, are less informal might need some structure and I think you can make a greater impact so don't get hung up on the big brands look for the different brands great advice thank you thank you so much for joining us this morning no thank you for having me I hope you find it useful thanks for listening and if you enjoyed this episode please subscribe on Apple Podcasts Spotify Smart Speaker or wherever you get your podcasts And please leave a rating and review to help others find out about the show. This is a Podo podcast produced by Nick Hilton in association with Corndell. Mm